to you and welcome in the name of the Lord. You are welcome if this is your first time joining us or if you are with us every week. You are welcome here no matter where you live or what you look like or who you love, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here at the United Congregational Church of Little Compton. We're so glad that you're with us. We are going to be uh, holding virtual services this week and next um, through the month of February, I mean through the month of January, and then we are going to reassess for the first Sunday in February and we'll be in touch. So uh, stay tuned. Um, things seem to be moving in the right direction and we are hopeful that we will soon be able to gather in person as well. Um, I did want to let you know that given the surge of COVID, we have pushed our annual meeting back to the end of February, the final Sunday of February, February 27th. Um, so that will be the day of our annual meeting directly following worship that Sunday. Uh, so please join us for important updates on the business and life of the church. Let us worship God. Good morning. I'm happy to be able to bring your first reading from the building today live. It makes it feel more like a Sunday morning to me. The first reading today is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. Just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body either. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this, but God has so arranged the body giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer, suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now we are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, 
then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts. Here ends the first reading. Our second reading is from the Gospel of John, 17, 20 to 23. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Here ends the second reading. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your eyes, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This fall, a team of us went on a listening tour. This was part of our Thriving Congregations Initiative, a three-year program designed to strengthen ministries and lead to greater flourishing in the church. The team invited members of the congregation and the broader community to attend focus groups or one-on-one meetings, and they listened. The team then gathered the response together and anonymized them so that we could see what themes emerged while keeping confidentiality. Overwhelmingly, the most common theme that we heard was a longing for authentic community, for real connection, We heard again and again that people felt disconnected, isolated, unable to find meaningful community. And increasingly, folks were struggling with the fundamentals of relationships, like talking with one another about important things, even if we disagree. Now, sociologists will be quick to tell you that our society has been trending in this this direction for quite some time. For decades, there are many factors that contribute. Living farther from our extended families, or the absurd number of hours most of us work, or the deepening polarization of our country politically and economically. But these last two years of pandemic have only exacerbated these trends. 
We are longing to come out from behind our screens and see one another face to face. I know that folks are tired. I'm tired too. I'm tired of the pandemic and the disruptions and the constantly shifting landscape. And I know that we are grieving. We have lost so many members of our families, of our communities, of our congregation. And we are grieving for the patterns of daily life that used to anchor us, of gathered community, the rituals that celebrate life and grieve death, and remind us who we are and that we belong to one another and to God. We are missing that sense of connection and belonging, and many of us are struggling to know how to reconnect, how to re-engage, how to build up our community. Where do we go from here? Here where we are still not through this pandemic as much as we want to be. Here where we are still a deeply divided nation politically and economically. Here where we have forgotten how to talk to one another honestly and respectfully, especially when we disagree strongly. We are supposed to be the body of Christ. You heard Russell read so beautifully about this metaphor that Paul uses one body with many members, united not in spite of our differences, but because of our differences, we need one another. The way that the hand needs the arm and the arm needs the torso and they all need the lungs and the brain and the heart. So what happens when we who are supposed to be one body experience this deep disconnect? It occurred to me this week, as I was thinking about this metaphor of the body, that we collectively have all been in survival mode, most of us for about two years. And do you know what happens to the body when it's in survival mode? It shuts down the unnecessary stuff and only uses the parts required to survive. It only uses those parts in a very limited way, right? So it uses the reptilian brain, and the adrenal glands, but not the fully thinking cerebral cortex. The body uses the feet to run, but not to dance. The body uses the hands to fight if necessary, but not to embrace. In order to build our collective body into a fully functioning one, we have to remember all its parts and all the many ways those parts can contribute, not just in survival mode, we have to remember our part in the body, each one of us. What is our role? Where do we contribute to the whole? Where are we truly ourselves? And equally important, we have to remember that the goal of our particular body, the body of Christ, is not survival. The goal is love. As Teresa of Avila put it, as the hands, the feet, the eyes, and the heart of Christ in the world, this is what the body of Christ is for. In this moment that we are living in, when the divisions feel so deep and real connections across those differences sometimes feel impossible, it may be tempting to believe that we are facing an unprecedented crisis for the church. And though our time certainly has its unique challenges, the truth is that the church has struggled with deep divisions since the very beginning. 
From the earliest church, Christians have had to figure out how to live, or live together as the body of Christ, not bound together by race or class, not by social status or bloodlines, not by gender or occupation, not by any outward marker or affiliation, not by any of the things that join us together to the other groups in our society, but simply by the bonds of love and charity and compassion that we know in Jesus. Paul writes, in Christ there is no Jew nor Greek, no slave nor free. We are all one body. And this was just as hard, if not harder, for the first century Christians as it is now for us. Think about it. Jesus brought together a group of followers from all walks of life, rich, poor, men, women. Some had worked for the Roman oppressor as tax collectors or soldiers. Think of that. Think of having to sit in a pew next to someone who had worked for a violent government that robbed and killed your people. The early followers of Jesus had to figure out how to be the body of Christ over enormous conflicts and deep differences, masters and slaves in the same congregation. What held them together? How could they be the body of Christ? Well, they didn't always. Sometimes they failed. But where the church succeeded in being the church, it was where they figured out how to come together as the body to love and serve God, how to love and serve others. Where do we go from here? This is the same question that Dr. King asked as he looked at a church body marred by the ugly scars of racial segregation and violence, a church body broken by the denial of equal dignity and opportunity for all of God's children. And the answer today is the same as it was then, love. I'm going to stick with love, Dr. King said. And incidentally, that's the same answer that Paul comes up with when he looks at his fledgling church and he sees a body of Christ fractured along social lines, neglecting its poor members and using the societal distinctions of ethnicity or status to decide who is worthy, rather than remembering that in Christ those distinctions don't matter. All are equal in God's eyes. Paul's answer is the same. Love. And that's not an easy one. Our call is to love God and love others. And the purpose of the church body is exactly that. Those two are inseparable. You cannot love God without loving your neighbor. And so that is how we look and see if a church is a healthy body, by asking whether it is truly loving its neighbors, whether it is loving the stranger, welcoming the outcast, caring for the vulnerable, visiting those who are sick, suffering, and dying. The church body exists to bring love to all people, to grant all people dignity, working for their equal opportunity to thrive, and treating them as beloved. We can disagree about how we as a body best love God. We can disagree about the kind of music that best inspires our hearts to connect with God or what kind of prayers or meditations bring us closer to God. We can disagree. And we can also disagree about how we love others the best way as a body together. 
What is the best way to bring people dignity? What is the best way that we can offer care and opportunity and equality to all? There is room for a great diversity of thought in the church, diversity of background and language and ideology, so long as all of those support our overreaching call as Christians to love God and love one another. My friends, we are the body of Christ, and I know these past few years, our collective body has been stretched thin and tired. We have been focused on surviving, and many of us feel starved for real connection and deep meaning. And the way forward is love. We must create space to intentionally love, to bask in God's love during worship, to practice loving one another and building up the body of Christ within and among us, and to practice working together to carry the love of Christ out into the world. That is the only way forward. That is where we go from here. Amen. enter a time of prayer, I'd like to invite you to take a moment and meditate with me. If you're comfortable, you can close your eyes. I'd like you to imagine the body of Christ. Imagine all the parts that must work together, the feet that carry us forward, the hands who help serve or build, the voice that helps sing praises. During this moment, remember that God made you to be a part of the body. During this time, what part comes to mind when you think of your gifts and your strengths? What part of the body do you think God made you to be? Now, keep the image that you have in your mind of that body part and think of three things that that part allows the body to do, three different things, things that the body could not do without it. Now I invite you to think specifically of the church. What does it look like if we as a whole are working together to be Christ's love embodied in the world? How does your part fit into the whole as we love God and others? Amen. This week I invite you to keep that image in your minds and think about it. The diversity of gifts that you have and the ways you contribute to the body and how you work together 
with the other parts. You now invite us into our prayers for one another and the world. Gracious God, we pray for all who are sick or suffering in mind, body, or spirit. We pray for all who are grieving, that you would comfort them and surround them with your loving presence. God, we pray for all who are in crisis, all who are suffering from trauma, fear, and loss. We pray for healthcare workers struggling with overloaded hospitals again. We pray especially this week for the people of Tonga who are still suffering the devastating effects of last week's tsunami. We pray for all who are victims of violence and hatred, especially this week for the people of Ukraine and all who are working for peace there. God, spur all of our hearts to greater compassion. Guide us and our leaders to work for equity and justice for all people, especially those who are most vulnerable. God, lead us from fear to faith, from death to life, from falsehood to truth. Lead us from despair to hope, from division to unity. Let peace fill our hearts, our world, and all of creation. We pray in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about our church, we invite you to connect with us on our website, www.ucclittlecompton.org. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find a link to our donation page in the show notes for this episode. We also invite you to share this podcast or leave us a rating or review to help others find us. Our virtual worship team is the Reverend Rebecca Floyd Marshall, Senior Minister, Lily Clark, Project Manager, Cam Clark, Video Production, Alex Floyd Marshall, Audio Engineer, and Charlie Thomas, Readings Coordinator. The horn and string music you hear is performed by the Thomas family. In our church, it is our tradition to end every service with this simple blessing. God be with you till we meet again. By God's counsels, guide uphold you. With his sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Go in peace. Thank you.